What's going on gamers? Welcome back to the Graveyard for this episode of Graveyard Gaming. Now in today's episode I wanted to talk to you about empty open worlds which is actually more of a conversation of open world versus hub world because it seems like a lot of games go towards these open world games but do they really need to be fully open world? And on top of that wouldn't a hub world suit the game better. I'm going to talk about the difference between the two, what happens when you try to force a game to be open world and it doesn't work. Then I actually want to talk to you about, honestly, some of the open worlds done right. Some of the games that would benefit from a hub world and some hub worlds that were done awesomely. Then, of course, we're going to talk about the graveyard shift, but there's a little bit of a change and update to the show that I will get to as well. So with that being said, guys, let's find out what it is that game developers need to do when it comes to creating open worlds so that we don't get empty ones. Gamers, I want to talk to you about those empty open worlds because here's the bottom line on this, and I'm going to go ahead and say it up front. Not every game needs to be open world. See, when developers decide to make a huge world, they're also forced where they have to find a way to make the world filled in. They can't just leave this barren emptiness, so... One, a lot of games will make some really great designs when it comes to, hey, here's this environment over here, and as you go here, it's a different quote-unquote state or whatever it may be, and it's really cool. However, sometimes it just feels empty. Have you ever played Mafia 3? Mafia 3, from a lot of standpoints, is actually a lot better than people give it credit for. I love that game. But as cool as that city is, there is nothing to do outside of main story stuff and outside of little side objectives. There's no point in riding around having fun with it. I mean, outside of going and sitting there and finding little circuits so you can tap into phone wires that really only provide you with bare basic things, achievements for doing it. Like, I mean, honestly, I'm trying to sit here and think of what it was that got it. Or you could go find Playboys. But that's it. There's not a ton to do in the world, so it just kind of ultimately feels hollow. When you're sitting there at one part of town and the next mission objective is all the way on the other side, it's always kind of nice to have something to do on your way there. Not saying you always want to have something in between you and the next mission, but if you're just enjoying the game, you don't always just want to ride from one side of town to the other just to do it. That's where these collectibles come in. They have to make sense with the game, and that's also where different activities help as well. Here's the other dilemma. You don't want to make the collectibles, you don't want to make the side activities overbearing. Now when I say that, I think of one game, and that game is Assassin's Creed Unity, because, oh my word, Assassin's Creed Unity had so many chests to open. I It was, oh, it was unbearable. I actually, to this day, when I hear that chime that they use, it just aggravates me so much. Now, I understand that some of that was just for the game for you to get, and then some of it was to tie to the app that they had with that game. And to me, it just made the map so cluttered. You'd pull that map up, and there was just chest after chest after chest after chest, and then so many side things to do that... You would sit there and scratch your head and go, what is going on here? Like, it's it's overwhelming and frustrating at the same time, which is never a good combo. What I like to see in a world is, yeah, give me some side activities, give me some collectibles, give me some, you know, things to do in the game. I think Assassin's Creed Valhalla does a great job with that, where there's plenty of different types of things to do in the world. They're not overbearing, they're all over the map, but... When you start really getting into an area, they're evenly spread out. Red Dead Redemption 2, I remember so many things you run up on. Maybe it's like some spooky Indian burial ground where you go up to it and you go, man, there's something here. Or there's that forest with all the wind chimes and as you're there, you hear like 
spooky sounds and very creepiness it just kind of set the mood of this is a weird part of the woods right here these kind of things just really build up on it. i mean you'd go across old battlegrounds and murder scenes and things like that that make you go man or what about the meteor house did you guys catch that where you go in there again it doesn't really do anything you go in there you find a meteor you see some dead people but the problem is, is most games don't take that little detail because with red dead when you walk in there and you see that you instantly start telling a story to yourself and it fits it makes you feel connected to that world versus you just traversing through the world because there is nothing worse than just an empty world actually the only thing on par with it is with something like unity where your map is cluttered or even the awesome witcher 3 where you load that game up for the first time and there's so many points of interest marked by question marks that you go what is all of this what i'm saying is while i do think it is important to have a bunch of things in there you have to naturally fill it with stuff that's going to be interesting to players keep them occupied in the game again you don't want to go from one area to the other without nothing to do just five minutes of walking but you want to use the environment and that work to tell a story not all games are built for that and that is why i think a lot of developers when they start with this idea of oh we're going to go open world they should start to think about hub worlds because see what i love about hub worlds is it's got this benefit that it allows more direct storytelling and I'm going to reference this game later, but any of the hub areas of the Rise of the Tomb Raider game, you get an entire area right there. It's got its own collectibles. It's got its own things to find, its own notes. It's got its own little activities in the world. It's got everything in that world. It's a great size because it's not expanded unnaturally to make this giant area to play in. No, it's one hub for you to do a lot of stuff in. Developers can carefully craft each area to make it the perfect size for what you need to accomplish in the mission and for what you might want to do just having fun and goofing off in the game. And I think that is super important. Again, with something like Mafia 3, like, why was it so open world in this massive city when there's nothing to do other than stories and taking over little businesses? That's the benefit of hub worlds. Hub worlds can do a lot. But you know what? Let's not just talk about that. Let's talk about some open world games that do it right some games that were open world that could have probably been some hub worlds and honestly some hub worlds to show you exactly what i'm talking about when i say hub worlds can be that great medium for games that just don't have enough to fill in an open world well gamers let's talk about some open world games that were actually done right now i've mentioned red dead redemption 2 and that's true but rockstar is the master of this you look at what they did with gta san andreas now i know that game is old at this point but i'm going to bring up a game that honestly is older than it feels and it's kind of becoming the new skyrim because it's always released but that is gta 5 gta 5 is full of areas to find remember the serial killer that if you really follow those clues you can find it but there's always something to do there's some kind of fun to be had some kind of trap to mess with people it works so well and of course the areas are varied there's easter eggs in different places there's just naturally occurring things that you might find there's just different things in the world even the hillbilly area where you can go take like the people you pick up as hitchhikers like all this stuff ties into you never feel empty you never feel like ah, oh, this world blows even getting up mount chiliad that becomes something fun to do because you get up there and you can start making your own stories that's what i'm talking about now i mentioned skyrim skyrim is another one there's always something in skyrim there's some kind of dungeon there's something again it's not that it's overpopulated with too much stuff it just feels like 
if you're traveling somewhere, you have something to do, you see something, you feel like you're living in a world. I mentioned Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and I've mentioned Unity, but I'm going to give a big shout out because it's an open world Assassin's Creed game that they did it right, and that is Syndicate. To me, Syndicate picked the right size town with London, or city I should say, they broke it up nicely, and it just feels like there's, you know, hey, it's a nice flow to the game as you're getting through it. There's a lot of activities to do, but they're not overwhelming. There's things to collect, there's things to go for, there's missions, but again, it's just this nice flow to it. Marvel Spider-Man is another great one as well on the PS4. Now it's on PS5, and you got the Miles Morales game that's just like it. There's fun side activities. There's those street crimes you can take part in. So again, you feel like Spider-Man because you get to do it. And then at the same time, it's just a great-looking version of New York City. I would be lying and just upset if I didn't include the Far Cry games from 3 through New Dawn because there is always something to do. And that's, that's the thing I keep saying over and over again, and it's the important part to say it's there's something to do, and it's something meaningful. In Far Cry 5, there's only like, I don't know, maybe 30 houses throughout the entire area, but they all feel lived in when you start to explore them. Like, you genuinely feel like, man, people lived here. When the cult came through, you feel like, man, they rushed these people out or they took over, whatever it may be. It just makes that world feel lived in. That's that connection that I'm talking about. They don't feel hollow and just, ah, we'll just throw a house here. Ah, we'll just throw a dead body. It feels like you came across a scene that tells a story. And there's Final Fantasy 15. That's the last one I'll talk about here. Again, I mean, you have a string of side missions. You have your main mission quest. You have your forts. You have your dungeons. You have just so much stuff to get involved in and to do that it just feels like, hey, they said this is going to be the area you're in. Let's fill it with the right amount of stuff. It always feels like you're engaged or you can get to something cool to do. And none of it feels, oh, I just don't want to do this again. But let's look at some of those open world games that could have actually fit well as hub worlds. And I've already said Mafia 3. Mafia 3 is a great town. New Bordeaux, I love it, man. I love the gameplay of Mafia 3. But honestly, what was the point of it being open world? Now, I don't know how to take that game and turn it into a hub world. Other than saying, hey, you have your city here, you have your environments here, maybe some fast travel between it, whatever it may be. It was cool that you got to drive around, but if they're not going to include more things to do, then they probably should have looked at a way to making it smaller. Maybe just sectioning it off. I don't know, but that game just, it it's a great game. Like I can't take so much away from it, but it doesn't work as well as an open world game. Another one is Metal Gear Solid Five. I love Metal Gear Solid Five. I've talked about how much I love it. But go play Ground Zeroes. That is a base. That is all you go to is one base. And you can consider it a hub. If Metal Gear Solid 5 would have done that, I think it would have made the flow a lot better. Because here's the deal. Metal Gear Solid 5 covers huge maps. But the problem is, there ain't a whole lot to do on those maps. <laughs> there really isn't. There's a few outposts here and there. But it's honestly just, if you want to call them hubs, you could call them hubs in these different bases. But it's open world, so there's really not a whole lot to do in there other than treat it like the hub world. So if, you know, Konomi wasn't going to let Kojima really fill it in and do a lot of stuff, it should have just been treated as a hub world because it feels like an empty open world game minus these bases. That's what I'm saying. It, it, it's almost a detriment because it was open world. So those are just two game ideas that could have been great hub worlds, but... You might be going, yeah, but what's some good hub worlds? Like, what are you talking about when you say that? Well, let me tell you some hub worlds are done right. 
Number one is Maneater. I consider Maneater a hub world because each little area is broken off by itself. It's got its own apex predator. It's got its own story that's in that area. It's got its own people. Like it's a lot of stuff in that one particular area. Its own Easter eggs. Like each spot is different than the other. That's why I consider it that way. You don't have to go from one section to the other to complete missions. They're all in that one spot. So once you get in there, that's where it's at, man. You're staying in that area. I think it's done well. Again, you can have a lot of fun. You can still travel to the other places, but it's not needed. You can just enjoy each area for what it is. And the developers did a great job of making each area feel different in its own little mini environment. Another one is the recent Tomb Raider games. I used this as a reference earlier, and it's true, because they just do such a great job of giving you an area to play with. They don't make it some giant, massive open world. they got to worry about how you fill it in. They give you good-sized hub worlds. They're all different than each other, and this is in all the games. One might be a giant cave you're going through, but you know what? When you're going through it, it almost feels like its own game. Then you go into like a town, and it feels like it. Or in Rise of the Tomb Raider, you have this wooded area that you can set traps and do stuff, so it makes it, again feel different. I love the way they did this. I definitely think it works. And in all honesty, I could even throw out Assassin's Creed 3. Did this as well as you had, you know, your town of Boston, then you had your homestead. And at the time of that, you had the wilderness. Like, again, it's just these different areas that feel different than each other, but they all have their own stuff to do in them. Like, you don't feel like, oh man, again, here's some more chests to go for just because developers said, well, we got this big world. What are we going to do with it? Sometimes it's better to chop that world up, man. It's perfectly fine. Nobody needs to drive 15 miles or walk or ride a horse 15 miles. Just give us a good area and let us enjoy it. The Yakuza games, I'm going to throw that on there. And you might go, well, that's kind of open world. And it might be. However, when you got the town of Kamarojo that just does a great job. It's its own little area. But the thing is, is most of the games actually have another town or place you're going to go to, and they're all separate. And they all have their own things to do, their own sub-stories, their own ways of getting around. And, and again, they're separate from each other. In fact, in the Yakuza games, you pretty much have to take a taxi from one to the other. There's no giant world that you can, oh, let me just drive here, let me do... No, they didn't waste time with all those extra assets. They gave you... One town that's awesome, and then they, of course they gave you Kamarocho, which is a, an amazing world in and of itself. Again, they were allowed to create Kamarocho in those games, and they're all a little different how they treat Kamarocho and what stores are open or whatnot, but they allowed them each to grow and be their own place. But then they give you another town that is completely different. It looks really great in Kiwami too, where both towns are fully realized their own activities you want to play baseball you got to go here you want to play golf you go here you want to complete these sub stories you got i love that about it zero is a great way because it's split between two different characters so again hub worlds like this are where it's at i love it when a game realizes that hey we don't have to make kamarocho so huge and massive we can make it a good size and just pack it full of stuff that's fun and interesting to do and if we feel like we need another town we'll just make a different town we don't have to have a world to live in so the last two I'm going to go with is Star Wars, Jedi Fallen Order, and God of War. Both of these games are kind of Metroidvania in the sense of, hey, you're going to go into one area, and you're not going to be able to do everything that you got to come back. That's a great way to use that little hub world, that environment, and get the most out of it, because you'll be returning to it to find more stuff if you choose to. I love that. Again, you don't have to pack hub worlds or a world which is so much stuff over and over with it, but you have to take a time 
developers and look at the game you're making and go, okay, am I trying to create a world that I'm living in where the environment and the story in the environment, if you will, in that world is its own character or is the focus more on these characters and how they get around and, and the story and the world they're in is just the playground we got? Because if that's the case, you don't have to go bigger is better. You can kind of keep it smaller. You can either, hey man, keep it an open world like Syndicate, but just keep it a smaller area. Or realize, you know what, we do want these different spots. Well, cool. Then you just make it hub worlds so that you're not taxing the players. You're not taxing yourself. You're not developing things you don't need to worry about. You're just giving us a good playground to play in. And that's the most important thing. Both of these hub worlds, open worlds, it's all about giving us a playground to play in that we can enjoy, that enhances our fun, that enhances the story, enhances the characters. Gamers, I wanted to give you guys a heads up that this is actually the last full-on graveyard gaming episode that I'll have for about a month. However, I am not leaving you guys high and dry because every Wednesday I will be dropping a new episode here on Anchor. It's either going to be an indie corner review where we shine the spotlight on you know, a small indie game that I've played and I review it. Or it's going to be a wandering in the graveyard episode which is where I just look at one topic and I kind of give my thoughts on that topic or idea. But again, I will be back in about a month with a brand new Graveyard Gaming update. I'm sure it'll be packed full of ideas and topics. But until then, you guys, I promise you, I got some good stuff for you coming. So gamers, what have I been doing on the Graveyard Shift? Well, unfortunately, due to family mercy, it's not been a big Graveyard Shift. But last week, I will tell you this, I talked about how I was kind of in the middle of that Jotunheim quest in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Well, let me tell you two things. One, it's actually not that long of a quest, which is really cool. But number two, the other thing about it is when I played through Asgard, that was one of the quests that I talked about in my last episode thinking about Valhalla that was like, yeah, but does it really serve a purpose? Like, is this just something that's cool, but if you kind of trim the fat, you could have trimmed the fat on it. And I've debated that, but I've always told, wait till you get to the end of Jotunheim. Just because the Asgard storyline is cool, but you don't see how it ties into the game. Well, having completed Jotunheim, I can tell you, if you are a fan of the Assassin's Creed lore, if you're a fan of previous Assassin's Creed games, if you know your lore, and better yet, if you know some of the voice actors and actresses from past Assassin's Creed games, you're going to get a lot out of the end of Jotunheim. Like, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed what they did there. It clicked. It made sense of how all of this tied into not just Bahala, but the entire series. So, really loved seeing what they did with it. I think it was a cool way to show a certain part of the lore we've only heard in reference. So, absolutely love that. My next plan for Bahala when I get back to it is to go to Vinland. I wanted to do the next story arc that is going to take me to a map that is not on the main map which would be Vinland. So I'm going to do that. I'm looking forward to it. Other than that, I have actually been really getting back into Fire Pro Wrestling World. If you remember, that was one of the games that on my gaming goals I said I wanted to get back into this year. I have absolutely gotten back into it. I picked up the Fire Promoter DLC. And I got to tell you, if you're a fan of the old SmackDown vs. Raw GM mode that WWE games used to do, this is right up your alley. I've really enjoyed messing with that. Just a little bit. I haven't got too deep into it. But as far as the actual gameplay of Fire Pro, once you get into it, it is awesome. I've enjoyed it. I've had a lot of fun with it. It takes me back to hanging out with a good buddy of mine way back in the day on the Dreamcast where we first got introduced to it with the Dreamcast game. But 
Honestly, I've had a lot of fun with it. Just a lot of cool match types and stuff like that. So if you see it on sale or something and you're a wrestling fan, it's completely different than anything you have played in a WWE game in a long time. But being that I will not have a few episodes, as I talked about in my update a few seconds ago, I want to give away my Game of the Month and my Trophy of the Month. For me, the Game of the Month has got to be Broforce. Look, I spent five years away from that game and finally taking the chance to download it and play it some more. I didn't really know. Was this kind of like a flash in the pan and once I got into it, I wouldn't enjoy it? I have to tell you, I loved playing that game. I do have a Graveyard Indie Corner review coming out, so check it out for that. But I absolutely loved Bro Force. It was so much fun unlocking new bros. It was really cool with the different enemies, the different ways you can do the environment. And then, man, like that enemy type you get towards the end of the game that's classic 80s villain was just so awesome definitely graveyard game of the month for the month of april is going to bro force now as far as trophy of the month goes it's gotta go to you've only done everything which gets you the platinum trophy in astro's playground for multiple reasons one i loved astro's playground which you will find on an indie corner review in just a couple weeks and number two Honestly, it was my first Platinum on a PS5, and there's always something different about a Platinum when you enjoy every aspect of getting for it. When it's something that is kind of grindy to get to, and you're like, oh my goodness, I finally got it, thank you. It's kind of cool, but at the same time, it takes it away. But it was something like Astro's Playground, where I thoroughly enjoyed going and getting every single trophy I got, definitely made that worthwhile. So, the big winners this month is Bro Force and Astro's Playground, which is funny, because to me, they are both smaller indie games and I think that is fantastic. Well gamers I hope you enjoyed this episode as we talked about these open world games that hey I know the developers are only trying to do something cool but at the end of the day they just sometimes got to be careful to not make them empty or just filled with meaningless tasks. But with that being said, guys, I would love to know your thoughts on what are some of those open world games that would have made better hub worlds and what are some of your favorite hub worlds because I think that medium just doesn't get enough love, to be honest with you. That being said, guys, you can always catch me. You can always talk to me at thegraveyardgamer at gmail.com. You can see me on Instagram at thegraveyardgamer. You can see me on Twitter at thegraveyardg. And, of course, you can find me sharing some cool videos on YouTube at Graveyard Gamer. But until next time, guys, I'll be creeping around the graveyard.